Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. So there's a spot on the Gulf Coast. It's called the, the Forgotten Coast. And it's in the northern part of uh, the Florida Gulf Coast. And my family has gone there for years when we could for a vacation. And a few years ago, um, I was doing what I'm normally doing, which is sitting on the beach reading while everyone else is in the water. <laughs> and we happened to have our dog, Daisy, who actually just died a few weeks ago. But we had our beloved Daisy with us, and Daisy loves the water. And I'm reading, and all of a sudden I hear some like muffled scream from a distance. And I'm kind of reading, and I'm just imagining someone else, and I keep hearing this. And all of a sudden I look up, and it's Miska. And Miska's in the water a good ways out this way with Wyatt and Seth, and she's kind of waving her hands. And I look out in front of me, and Daisy is just paddling as hard as she can possibly paddle, literally out into the blue ocean. And I, uh, I mean, she was, she was gone. So I throw the book down, I jump in the water, and I just start swimming. And I start swimming, and I start swimming, and I'm, I'm getting out there pretty good ways. And the more I swim, the further Daisy gets. And I'm swimming, and Daisy's swimming. And it's like, I don't know what she had in her mind, but there was nothing for miles and miles. <laughs> and Daisy was just... So I keep going and I keep going and I'm catching up a little bit and I'm getting, and all of a sudden I realize I am out in the middle of the ocean. Now I've seen planet Earth. <laughs> I've seen some of the creepy dark stuff that's weighed down deep. And all of a sudden I start to get nervous and that makes me swim faster. So Daisy's swimming and I'm swimming. And finally, out of sheer terror, I think, I caught up with Daisy, grabbed her collar, pulled around, and we limped our way back into shore. I was thinking about that moment and several moments I've had. I, I used to have this idea that I wanted to deep sea, sea, sea dive, and I still think I kind of might. But there is this terror of what is it actually that's deep down in this ocean beneath me? I was thinking about that this week when there's this little phrase that I actually haven't often paid attention to tucked into this passage that I've paid a lot of attention to. Maybe you heard it this morning. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, the Revelation says. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away and the sea was no more. What is this strange phrase about the sea being no more? First, though, we do need to back up and think for just a minute about what it is for this heaven and earth business. What's this about? This is the vision that God gives to John of what's coming. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. Now, we need to say immediately, 
passed away does not mean blown up or annihilated. It means that its time has been completed. The first heaven and the first earth are yielding their place as they give way to the new heaven and the new earth that God is creating. A couple years ago, when you might remember the floods, so many floods happened and the IRC farm got flooded and we were able to uh, give some of our money together as a community to help their new farm get built. And I went out there to uh, take a tour of it and they were walking around and it was before growing season, but it was just covered over with what looked to me like nothing, weeds. But they were describing how this, these weeds that seemed like gross to me would be ter- turned under and would be part of the nutrients that would make the new life grow. I think that's a really beautiful image for what's happening here in Revelation. That the new, that the old earth and the old heaven are turned under and the new and become actually part of the life of what is new. Depending on the uh, theological tradition you may have grown up in, um, it's really important to say the earth is not going to be incinerated and destroyed. And it's interesting how we never think that's what it means about heaven. But here, the new heaven and the new earth are together. They are joined. We don't have time to really unpack all of this, but heaven is where God's reign is already fully enacted. It's actually probably not best to think about it strictly just as a place, particularly a place that's a bajillion miles away. Robert Jensen, the Lutheran uh, theologian, he likes to say that heaven, because God is not only outside of our time, but God is also engaged in our time, present in the incarnation, that heaven is, and he says, and it's funny if you, if you ever heard him say this because he's very proper, he, said, he would say, heaven is God's pad in the creation. <laughs> heaven is where the world already is exactly as God intends for it to be. And that's the reality that John says is going to be joined completely to earth and all of it together be made new. It's why we pray every Sunday with such confidence and hope. May your heaven come on earth. May your will come on earth as it already is in heaven. But here's our problem. Every one of us is acutely aware that heaven has not fully come to earth. Things in so many ways are not as God wants them to be. The world that we know right now is, if we were to borrow an image from elsewhere in the Bible, overwhelmed by the sea. So let's get to that sea business. In Scripture, the sea often represents the chaotic terrifying, shadowy realm of evil. In so many ways, it's the opposite of heaven. If heaven is the the world as God designs it, the sea is the place that is absolutely chaotic. In Revelation, the sea is the dwelling place of the dead. In certain parts of the Old Testament, the sea is the dark depths 
that we fear are outside of God's reach. In Revelation, the sea is the ominous, murky terrain from which the first monster, monster, <laughs> that's, <laughs> just so you know, you know all of the words I mispronounce, right? Well, that's one of them. I'll hear, if Wyatt were here, he's sick, but he would already be laughing at me. <laughs> In Revelation, the sea is that ominous, murky terrain from which the first monster, the, bee with, the, the beast with ten horns, and seven heads arises. It's that beast arises from the sea. One theologian put it this way, the sea is the dark force of chaos which threatens God's plan and God's people. And we're terrified of the sea, aren't we? We expend vast amounts of energy trying to keep the sea at bay. About um, five or six weeks ago, I was getting my teeth cleaned, and they're doing, you know, they do the oral exam, and they go, oh, there's a spot there on your tongue. It shouldn't be there. You need to go see an oral surgeon. I'm like, okay, cool. So I go and see the oral surgeon, and he's like, hey, probably nothing, but, and then he says the C word, you know, and I haven't personally heard the C word. My mom died of cancer. They said, you know, odds are really small. It's probably nothing, but we need to do a biopsy. We need to take this off. And for the next couple of weeks, it's always in the back of my mind, like, what's happening? Is this the way it starts? So many of us have so many pieces of our life. It's our health. It's our family. It's our hopes. It's our fears. It's our job our future, and it is so out of our control. That's part of the sea. And so we begin to latch on to experts, perhaps, sociological experts, economic experts, psychological experts. We hope they can explain some of the darker places in the sea. Sometimes we avoid deep soul work because it's a murky, roiling sea in there. <laughs> Sometimes we play it safe and we guard our heart and we turn cynical or jaded or we simmer with rage because we are terrified of the sea and we can't overcome the sea. We feel helpless. I wonder how easy it is or difficult for you to identify your place in the sea. Where is it? Where is that grim, murky place in your life that you either avoid or fixate on. I want to proclaim to you the sure word of Jesus Christ offered to John. He has seen a vision of the world's future in Jesus Christ. He has seen a vision of your future. And he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. God does away with the sea. But we have to go through the sea first. Last week, it was the valley of the shadow of death that we have to go through. 
And this week, it's that dreaded C. In his novel, Jaber Crow, Wendell Berry, Wendell Berry's character, Jaber, toward the end of the story, he says, Faith is not necessarily or not soon a resting place. Faith puts you out on a wide river in a little boat, in the fog, in the dark. Even a man of faith knows that we've all got to go through enough to kill us. But God promises to finally do away with the sea in the very same way that God carries us through the sea. God joins us. God is present with us. And in a cataclysmic, final, ultimate way, Revelation says that God does away with the sea by coming and making his home with us, by God himself being with us. In Jesus, God lives with us now, but God's living presence is coming in a far more powerful and healing way. It's not done. This is what it means for heaven to come to earth, where God's full presence, splendor, beauty, tenderness, strength, goodness comes and lives with us. This is why we yearn in the deep places of our heart for God's presence. It's why we try to make space for God to reveal God's self to us. God with us. This is our soul's deepest craving. It's what we ache for, even if we don't know it. And in this future that is coming, When God does away with the sea, there is this beautiful image that is read at most funerals. That God will wipe every tear from our eye. See, when the sea is gone, there's really no reason for tears anymore. Every sorrow, every heartache, every way that your soul has been wounded every place you've been abandoned or let down, every fear erased, every trauma healed, every pain melting into that radiant love of God. Have you been with someone that you love with your full self? Have you ever been able to be present with them in a moment of tears? Have you ever reached over and not in a way that says, let's get rid of your tears, not in a way that's in any way shaming, but in a way that is receiving into yourself their tears? Have you ever leaned over and touched someone's tear and just wiped it away? And in that act, what you're doing is you're receiving it. You're taking it into yourself. God's self in this image, at least the picture that John paints, it's not that God waves a magical God wand and tears evaporate. It's that the great father leans to each 
weary heart and broken soul. Those of us who have carried so much for so long and God leans over and receives those tears and wipes it away, receiving it into himself. So what does this new world look like? I don't think we should say a whole lot. I think we should just say it looks like this world, but without the sea. Without the pain and the sorrow, without the violence, and with a God who wipes away and takes into himself the tears. And it ends with this powerful image. And John wants us to know the one who is saying all this is the one who is seated on the throne. The one who's in charge is the one who's telling us what's going to happen. And he says, I'm making everything new. And then to make absolutely certain we get it, he says, write it down. You can write it down. As my grandpa used to say, you can take it to the bank. (laughs) Write it down. These words are trustworthy and true. Amen. Would you pray with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.